This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. Later on, we will be discussing the services Stephen offers and where you can find him. Hello and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Cathy Reid. And I'm Scarlett Maltman. And today we are joined by the lovely Blythe Janzu. Blythe is currently in the West End production of Aladdin at the what theatre is it? Prince Edward. The Prince Edward Theatre, covering Princess Jasmine and swinging through life. Um, and we're absolutely thrilled to have her join us here today. How are you, Blythe? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I'm super excited to talk to you guys. Ooh, yeah. I can't wait, I can't wait. Blythe is also wearing a fabulous hairpiece. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> okay, are you ready for a little word association game? Uh, okay, yes. <laughs> so you say the first thing that comes into your brain. So, question one. Question one, word one. Wig cap. Pink girls. Germany. Starlight. Fashion. Everything. Pineapple. Uh, stingy. <laughs> stingy. <laughs> Explain stingy. They make your tongue a bit stingy if you eat too much. Oh, true. I was thinking of dance studios. Great. (laughs) Summer. With the dance studios, that's fantastic. Pineapples are good for you. Summer. Sun. Magic carpet. Jasmine. Edinburgh. Home. Cathy, would you like to ask the last question today? The best one? A Victoria sponge with butter icing. Yum. Yes. There we go. You always like to add a funny one in there at the end, Scarlett. I was hungry. I was hungry when I was writing it. I mean, I'm always hungry. I love a cake, though. I do love a cake. Right. So, Blythe, uh, we always like to start at the beginning. So let's just chat about where it all began and where did you first start developing a love for performing? Um, I think I actually did ballet at school at like pre-primary school it was like part of the day the the ballet teacher came in so literally from when I was about three years old I started doing ballet Um, and I absolutely loved it I loved dancing and it wasn't until I went to school in Edinburgh that I started doing NICOS which is National Youth Choir of Scotland um, which is an amazing thing you auditioned at your primary school and then you got to go every Thursday and they taught you how to read music, how to sing in harmony, how to blend. Um, yeah, I think most of my musicality came from doing that, really. Um, then I I did lots of dance classes growing up. And then I went to Knightswood, um, which has the Dance School of Scotland. It has a... Woo! Yes, it has a musical theatre course there. Um, I actually initially auditioned for the ballet course when I was 11, but um, <coughs> I sort of grew up quite fast and I didn't look like a ballet dancer when I was 11 I looked a bit older um so I was rejected so I was really sad it was my dream to be a ballerina but then I auditioned for the musical theatre course um a couple of years later and I got in and I was thrilled and actually I'm so glad that I ended up doing that because I've got a variety of skills now um yeah so I did that for four years uh which was great fun we it's academics and training at the same time um, yeah, I made some amazing friends, including Scarlett Maltman. <laughs> and yeah, then from there, I auditioned for Arts Ed um, and went there for three years on the musical theatre course. Yes. So that was my kind of educational journey. Um, yeah. yeah. That's 
Brilliant. Yeah, and that's obviously how Blythe knows myself from Dance School Scotland and how she knows Cathy through Arts Ed, so it's a little Scottish bubble. Obviously, being your friend, um, you've said to me a couple of times, and I think you actually put it in a blog, um, which you can access through our social media, um, that you always felt a bit disconnected from the arts as you had never seen any performers that looked like you growing up. Um, talk us through this and how what effect did it have on you? Um, yeah, as a, as a child, we'd often go and see musicals and and plays and things and you know my parents would say oh you can do that you know you'll you'll do that one day it looks great and I sort of looked at them and thought no they're always beautiful and blonde usually and white and I just couldn't see how that would ever be me so I just I think I always had a bit of doubt from the get-go and when I got into Knightswood again I was I think the only person that wasn't white in my year um and in most of the school, to be honest. So, yeah, that was, I didn't think much of it, um, but when it came to casting in the, the end of year musicals and things, you know, I never got leading roles or anything. So again, I thought, oh, maybe it's because of the way I look. Um, and it may not have been, I mean, I probably needed more confidence as well, but I think the lack of confidence came from not believing that I was right for things. So, yeah, it's always been a bit of a struggle. Um, but obviously moving down to London, you meet a lot more people with, you know, from different backgrounds and cultures and the way they look. And um, yeah, there is a space for everyone, I think, in this industry. It's still, there's still a, lot, a long way to go. You know, um, things go out for BAME casting and I get seen for everything. But I'm often, you know, not the right kind of ethnicity, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, you know, I... I go up for Indian things and they say, oh, can you speak Punjabi or that? I, no, I can't speak anything other than English. So I look like I should be able to speak a certain way and I can't. And yeah, I'm kind of a brown skinned girl who's been brought up in a white woman's world. So it's tricky um, in a lot of ways. And actually, I've still not really played an actual human being. I've only ever played like... <laughs> Yeah, I played a train, a fairy, I've played, I mean, Wizard of Oz was different, but again, they're like fictional characters. Aladdin, again, fictional, it's Disney, it's heightened. So I would like to do something where I'm telling the story of a, a real human being or just a real story and I'm just a person, it doesn't matter what way I look. Yeah. yeah. Um, just that kind of segues very nicely into the next question of why representation is so important to the industry and to you in particular um yeah I think it's it's so important that we have a variety of people on stage so that the younger generations can watch these things and see that it's possible for them to achieve their dreams and I think a lot of um you know non-white families don't encourage their children to go into these things because they think there's not space for them but they're not going to be accepted so I think once they start seeing people on stage that look like them or that just come from a different background, they can, they'll believe in themselves and see that it's possible for them. And actually, that's what is amazing about Aladdin. You know, it's a great show. It's a fun show. It's Disney. But the best thing about it is the audience. You look out and there's people from all backgrounds, um, all worlds, you know, women in headscarves and men in turbans. And I just don't think you'd see that in a lot of other shows. Yeah. Um, more often than not, it's a sea of white hair. And yeah, yeah. so that's what is amazing about that, that show. 
So Blythe, what is your um, relationship with mental health and how do you maintain a healthy relationship with it? Um, I mean, my relationship with my mental health has been a very up and down journey. It's been a roller coaster, but it's something that I have been aware of, or I wasn't when I was younger. I, you know, I'd feel angry and sad and confused and alone, and I didn't realise it was a mental thing. I thought it was a situation thing. Um, and I sort of thought that the world owed me something. And it's not until recently that I've kind of realised that I have the power to my own happiness and... Um, yeah, it's not about where you live, how much money you have, what you've got, what job, friends or anything. You could be completely on your own and still be happy because it, I think it does come from you and come from being happy in yourself. Um, and I know that's kind of like a standard thing to say, but I think what I mean is if you if you like who you are, then you should be happy. And when you're concentrating on getting things and material things and stuff that you think other people might like then you're not going to be happy so if you're happy working in a shop then that's great you know who cares what anyone else thinks and um you know if you it's just a lot of pressure to impress people and I still feel that now doing what we do we're constantly in the public eye and um often you get jobs you know based on your popularity and um that's tough because you feel like you're always having to put on a show so I think I like to go away from London where I can just be be nobody, sort of not have to be an actor or, you know, a singer or a performer or anything. And I can just be me and I can read a book and it doesn't matter what I look like or what I'm doing. And that I think that's really important for me, getting getting away yeah, where you're not recognized or whatever. Yeah. Um another important thing for me is definitely exercise. Um, I know that's also what people say a lot, it's like, oh, just, you know, go for a run and you'll feel great. But actually, it, it is really important um, to exercise. And, you know, not everyone likes the gym. I don't like the gym. But if you like dancing or just walking, you know, if it's a 20-minute walk to the station from your house, do the walk, leave a bit earlier, walk home. And that's sometimes all you need, just the fresh air. And it keeps you in the moment because when you're walking, you have to just concentrate on where you're going and... I think that's important as well. We're so often sat on tubes or on seats or wherever, looking at our phones and thinking about what's next when we should actually just be moving through time yeah. more. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. One thing that you said there about liking who you are, this is something that I actually done at the start of the year. Um, I put down who is Scarlett Maltman and I started to write, I don't know why I did it, I started to write all the things that I was um, and I think it's so, it's so interesting because we grow up and we, we don't really invest the time in to know who we are as people and actually see it physically and it was really interesting to see things that I liked about myself and things that, that I didn't like one was like can be a bit selfish and I was just like why am I so selfish sometimes and I think yeah just wanted to share that in case anyone wanted to do it so Blythe, you were someone who um, shared so many inspirational books with me. Um, you gave me a book, The Art Form of Not Giving a Fuck. Um, I think you introduced me to The Secret, which kind of like shaped my third year at drama school, really helped me. And um, would you say that books um, with the topic of having a healthy mindset is key to you? Um, 
I don't, I wouldn't say you need to read them every day or anything and I have loads and loads and all the books out there. But I do think that after reading those books in particular, they just changed my mindset. You know, I realised that you can choose who you give time to, what you give time to. Um, and you can change things from happening by the way you think. Um, for example, actually, uh, my housemate, Danny Becker, and I, we were sat in the house one day and we thought, oh, and I was just saying how I don't like going to class because I find it intimidating and, um, yeah, I just wish there was a class that was a bit more relaxed. And we sort of said, let's just do it. Let's put on a class. And we designed a class for sort of actress singers who aren't as confident in dance, um, you know, a, sp a safe space for them to improve and practice and just have fun and, you know, find the love for dance again. And we, this is what we wanted, and we designed the class, we choreographed it to within an inch of its life, and, um, you know, three months later, it's packed out every week, and, you know, just by saying, yes, this is what we want, it happened, and we sort of think it's amazing of, like, what you can do if you just put your mind to it, yeah. and if you just put it out there, you say the words, and you take action on it, and now it's happening. So now we're a bit scared to say anything because we're like, it's going to happen, yeah. you know, which is... Um, sorry. Well, even with um, Aladdin, like, how many times did you say, you know, I want to be in this show and it, and it happened? Yeah. Like, I'm sure it's happened to Kathy, it's happened to myself, it does happen. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And we will chat more about dance for singer-actors at the end of the podcast. So as I mentioned before, I know Blythe, because we both went to the dance school Scotland and Blythe was the year above me. Um, so I always remember you being the most incredible dancer, um, but always being quite self-conscious when it came to singing, um, which I, th I think is mad now because you're one of three of a girl band made um, and you're about to compete for the public's vote on BBC to represent the UK in Eurovision. Um, and you're you're understudying a lead, you're like you're a leading lady in the West End. So it's incredible to, you know, have watched you like grow in confidence all over the, these years and it's so inspiring as, as your friend. Um, how did you get through this conf confidence block to where you are now? I am one of those people that sort of needs a bit of encouragement. I don't take well to tough love. You know, if someone has an incredible voice, I sort of think, oh, well, I used to think, I'll oh, just give up, you're never going to be as good as them. But... I can't, I'm not sure who says these things to me, but someone said, you know, there's only one you and you're unique and no one can be you. So take ownership of that and improve on that as much as possible. Um, also, with regards to musical theatre singing, a teacher art said, said to me, you know, when you go into the room and you're singing, you're not you, you're that character. So just before you sing, you know, say your name, the character's name, and put yourself in their situation and if they crack then it's not Blythe that's cracking it's it's them or if they do something wrong it's not you so just take the pressure off yourself and of course you go in and you don't crack and you don't mess up because you're completely just in their world and their mindset and the pressure's gone so I do that a lot in auditions I sort of go in as the character not myself so that I, I don't feel vulnerable um and yeah just when Miracle, my friend Miracle, who's in Maid, she asked me to be in the girl band as well. That just gave me confidence because, you know, she could have asked any of her talented friends and she wanted me and that. So immediately I just thought, you know, she's asked me, I'm going to I'm going to do this. And 
doing that has really improved my singing as well. I learn from them and I, because we're doing our own things, we've got the space to, you know, play around and yeah, um, work on our voices. So it's been like a long process, but again, I'm just one of those people that will never give up, yeah. even if it's, it seems impossible. I just keep going. Yeah. I think it's so important in an industry where you can really quickly be put into a box. For example, when I was at college, I was I was in the first the top dance set, and then because I strode, uh, showed strong aspects in acting and singing, all of a sudden I, I was less of a dancer. So I think it's it's really interesting to know have faith in yourself because you were always an amazing singer, but it was just that confidence. And now, like I said, like you're understanding a leading lady on the freaking West End, like it's crazy. So as creatives, and we just mean creatives across the board, not just actors here, um, we all suffer from self-doubt at some point. Um, at times it can be really, really powerful and it's almost impossible to continue down the creative path. What has your experience been with self-doubt? Um, I experience self-doubt every time I finish an audition. Um, you know, even today, even after, you know, playing a lead in the West End, I still experience it, you know, you sort of think, oh, they don't like me, that means I must be rubbish. And it's it's really not easy to, to pick yourself up and to say, no, it's not that I'm not good, I'm just not right for them. And yeah, I've, I mean, I've always experienced self-doubt. Um, but the thing is, we're here, we're living, we're, we're doing it, so just do it, you know, there's, I mean, I know, like, I'm not delusional, but even if I was delusional and I was terrible, I'm doing it. So just keep going, just keep doing it. Um, and if it's working, then great. So uh, I think, yeah, I'm kind of on the other side of it now where I can easily pick myself up. But even, like, last week I was at an audition and I completely crumbled in it and I was terrible and I was so nervous and afterwards I was beating myself up over it and... I think it's just quite common in this industry when you're, um, yeah, you're putting yourself in front of other people and what they they want creatively. And I think that's really hard, which is why I really wanted to do the girl band because we got to choose what we were singing. We got to choose what we were wearing, how we sounded, how we looked. We were in complete creative control. Um, and that's been really freeing and amazing. And I think everyone needs something that they have control of as well or that they can be creative in because, you know, this, in this industry, a lot of the time we are still working for people as much as a banker is working for the bank. And um, I think that doesn't suit a lot of us as well. And it's really hard to be rejected again and again and again. What was the difference um, between your approach to self-doubt now to before you went, you got that West End contract? I don't actually, I don't know, I'd speak to my friends, I'd call them up crying, um, <laughs> or I, I mean, I don't think I was very good at getting out of it, to be honest, I was, I was tough on my boyfriend, and I'd take it out on him, and I'd have to speak to my friends and say, it's not fair, and yeah, actually, until I got a recall or a job, I would be quite miserable, um, and now, I'm not scared to finish Aladdin and not have a job. I, I feel in control and I feel, you know, I've put on a class. I could put on another class. I could, you know, I'm in this girl band who knows where that's going to go. 
I feel in control. I'm not just at the mercy of casting directors and other creatives. So that's that's important for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's really important to like like you say to take ownership of your creativity, regardless if of what position you're in, which you've done, and you know the proofs in the pudding of how that affected your you mentally. Do you know what I mean? It's it's brilliant. So let's chat drama school. You are a graduate of the Arts Educational Schools London. You're in the year above me. Um, what was your experience like at drama school with regards to your mental health? Um, first year was all good. It was fun meeting new friends, learning new things. I mean, I still was beating myself up, you know, about jazz or whatever and singing and, but there wasn't much pressure. We were all just sort of learning and finding our feet. It wasn't until second year that we started getting graded and rated and that's, that's when it got difficult because you were sat after a jazz class and, you know, everyone's scores were announced in front of each other and, you know, thing my bob who didn't turn up and couldn't be bothered gets a better score than you and that makes you feel awful because you think I've just worked so hard and that you know they've not put in the effort but in hindsight it was probably quite a good prep for the industry because that happens all the time that people who don't necessarily deserve it but have a bundle of talent and charisma get jobs um, and you have to just accept that that's their journey um, but I, yeah, I did really, I really struggled at college um, mentally and I felt really upset. I'd, I'd cry in singing workshops and things um, in front of everyone. I felt so embarrassed and intimidated. Um, and there were, there were a couple of teachers that I could go to and speak to, which was fine, but there wasn't enough time in the day. There was like we were there from eight until eight, sometimes longer, and we had things to practice after. There wasn't actually any time to think about your mental health and to look after yourself. And like, there wasn't even enough time to call your family if you wanted. We literally back to back at college or sleeping. Um, so I think that was probably the problem that we weren't, um, look, I didn't look after myself. Also at weekends I had to work both days. So I didn't have a single day off. Um, I worked at Harrods, which was soul destroying. Um, just stood in like a black suit and black heels selling perfume which is just not the dream but it paid it paid the rent so I was grateful for that but I yeah seven days a week I was working really hard and I didn't have a single hour spent on myself and on things that I like so I think again hindsight wonderful thing that was the problem but um yeah, I really felt quite alone with it and I didn't I thought at the time I thought I was the only one suffering and that there was no one I could speak to and it'd be really embarrassing to say that I was um depressed or you know, anxious or anything and because it makes you seem weak. Um so I did I felt quite alone with it. And actually I did end up seeing um a psychologist when I was there. They they do have someone, but again they kind of in <laughs> I don't think they specifically said don't tell anyone, but because you had to skip class for it, you kind of were made to feel that you shouldn't mention why you were skipping class or whatever. It was very kind of secretive and the psychologist they had would walk around college and you wouldn't say hello to each other or anything. You had to sort of just pretend that you hadn't been to see them. 
so you can be like oh hey you know thanks for the great session you made me feel better like you just kind of pretend it didn't happen um, I did that a couple of times and it did help but I think because it was secretive it probably wasn't helpful anyway because I ended up thinking it was a bad thing to feel that way yeah and then third year was a bit more fun because we were doing shows so I didn't think about you know underlying problems or anything or if I felt alone I, just, I was just enjoying so again it was all circumstantial that you know when things were good I was felt happier but as soon as things were a bit stressful I felt awful so it was when you know it was all temporary and it could change at any moment um yeah and after I graduated I found it really hard I took an even lower point and that's when I went to a doctor and said, you know, what my, I feel sad all the time. I don't understand. Like, I, I don't know what to do about it. I've tried therapy. I've tried speaking to people, meditation, yoga. I still don't feel good. Um, and they prescribed me some pills. So I thought, you know, if you have a sore arm, you take ibuprofen. You know, if you feel sad, then you can take a pill that stops you from feeling sad. And yeah, it's temporary. But at the time, it was really helpful for me because for the first time I f could feel what it was like to feel content and happy and I'd never felt that before I'd felt really low or really high I'd never felt sort of a middle yeah contentment so that was good and then you know I didn't want to rely on antidepressants and I, d I think people are scared to talk about them and they think it's a cop-out but actually if I hadn't ever felt that feeling I wouldn't know how to feel it on my own. So, yeah, I think if if people need need that that help and they need to stop feeling sad all the time because it's disrupting their life, I think they should try it and see how it is. And obviously, I don't think it should be a long term thing. But now I know that there is a middle ground, and you can feel relaxed, you know, when there's not too much going on in your life. Um, yeah. That's my kind of journey. Yeah. So obviously, as one of your closest friends, I I didn't know that. Um, why didn't you tell anyone? Um, I didn't tell anyone because I thought it, it seemed like a really extreme thing. It seemed like, whoa, you must be in massive issues. Like, that's you're crazy. I don't know. I just, yeah. I'd, no one ever told me that I could tell anyone. And I felt embarrassed to tell anyone. Um, yeah, so that's that's why. But now I think I should tell people because it might help them as well. So just backtracking on to your third year at Arts Ed, personally, I find this a really challenging year. Um, and you said that you, you, quite, you quite enjoyed third year. Um, what kind of coping mechanisms would you advise people use in third year just from your experience of being there and your peers around you um I think something that the my my year our said we were all really good friends and we were very lucky it was a supportive fun amazing year of people and we used to remind ourselves that this could be the last time we all get to do a show together. I mean, it is would be the last time we'd all get to do a show together because, you know, it's not likely that we'd all be cast in the same show again. Um, and I have been lucky enough to work with people for my year since. But 
at the time we just thought no matter how stressful this is no matter what agents are watching let's enjoy this because performing with your best friends is the best thing in the world so I think that would be my advice just absolutely enjoy it and people can see when you're enjoying yourself and that's when you stand out and when you yeah when you are at your best so enjoy the just enjoy the process as well you know rehearsals and meeting people and just be nice to your creatives and yeah it's just like any job in the industry really just soak it all up you graduated from Arts Ed, you signed with a very well-known and established agent and you landed some wonderful um, first, first jobs. Um, obviously, going from graduation and trying to like, land the first job, you can put extreme pressure on yourself, we all do it. Um, knowing you, I know that you're incredibly ambitious um, and as I've said before, you're a very inspiring friend to me. Um, how did it feel dealing with pressures from yourself and others during this time? Uh, was it difficult to manage the expectations that you had on yourself and the expectations that others had on you? Um, yeah, just talk us through your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, so from, you know, months before we even graduated, friends were getting huge contracts and leads in the West End, you know, working with amazing directors and, you know, I was lucky enough to be in the Beauty and the Beast film. It was a week of filming and that was amazing. That was such a great start. Um, there is a lot of pressure as well from yourself. You know, you just trained for three years, if not more. You know, I went to Knightswood as well and dance classes are not cheap um, at all and your family's put in a lot of money and time and effort as well so you feel the pressure to um, succeed for them um, so yeah it's it's really not easy and you're not going to do well in an audition if you feel that much pressure so I'd love to say yeah just relieve yourself of that stress go for it to all the graduates but it's it's just natural and I think just know that it's not going to last forever and there will be a time when you can meet up with your classmates from college and you're not going to talk about who's doing what you're just going to ask each other how they are and you know talk about other things and um, it won't matter what you've done and what you're doing because that's not who you are. So as we said at the start of the podcast we are gratefully sponsored by King Manual Therapy. Stephen is a manual therapist who specializes in myofascial release and Scarlett and myself are both here with him at his clinic today. Hello Stephen. Hi Scarlett how are you feeling after your treatment? I feel really, really good. I had quite a lot of back tension and neck tension, I think you would say. Stephen just kind of shuggled me all up. That's a technical term. <laughs> so it was something that I wanted to start in 2019 in order to look after my mental health as I carry quite a lot of stress around my body. Um, and Stephen's clinic is such a supportive, safe and funny atmosphere. He offers top banter as well throughout his treatments. It's been a really great thing to do in 2019 for me. And I went for a vocal massage last week and having put off going for vocal massages for years because I've heard about how painful they are, I can confidently say that it was completely pain-free and I felt so much better after it. And I think that there is a big link between looking after your mental health and looking after your physical health as well. So Stephen, if people would like to book in with you, where can they find you? So you can find me at kingmanualtherapy.com and there's a whole little booking system there. You can just schedule, come and see me, come say hi. We'll work out what we can do. And um, you can find me on Twitter. You'll find me, King Manual Therapy, and uh, Instagram, also King Manual Therapy. I feel like that's really unimaginative. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you check it out. 
Um, so you spent 15 months working in Germany in the musical Starlight Express. Um, so obviously this is a huge lifestyle change. Um, and I've just recently worked in Scotland for three and a half months. And, you know, like, I was really happy to be working but it was such a struggle to be away from like my Londonness you know my home my friends my surroundings you know I was like in this remote kind of I was in the highlands so it's a huge change from going to live in a city and um, where that's kind of like all you've known for the last four years um, so how how did you cope with working away from home for so long and you know what kind of challenges did did you face because it's, it's it was a brilliant thing obviously working away but you, you don't often think about you know, removing yourself from the bubble that you've been in for so long. Yes, Starlight Express. Um, that was a huge learning curve for me, that job. It was the best and worst experience that I've ever had. Um, you know, as soon as I got it, I was absolutely thrilled. I'd just been um, rejected from Aladdin and I thought, you know, that I thought that was going to happen and it didn't. And then the Starlight said, yeah, we want you. And I thought, great, a huge musical. I can, it's going to be amazing. I'm going to have the best time, you know, finally a long contract. Um, so we were whisked overseas. We arrived and, yeah, we were picked up from the airport. And there we were in this tiny little town, dropped off at this kind of dingy hotel um, with all these strangers that we were doing the job with. We then were driven straight away to watch the show um, and if you haven't seen it it's like crazy it's mad and you just we just watched it and thought there's no way that we can sing in German and learn how to roller skate like that it just seemed impossible so it was just all very overwhelming but um, yeah I mean the f initially learning how to skate and everything we did four months skate school and I loved that I love learning new skills and um, I'm quite athletic so it was like it was really my thing and it was we were busy and yeah it was it was a lot of fun and rehearsals as well they were a lot a little stressful um I enjoyed them and it wasn't until you know rehearsals stopped and we just you know went to the theatre in the evening we did the show and that's all we had that's when you sort of go oh you you still need other things in your life because you know this it's, it's a fun job but it's still a job and it was really tough because the only people you could see before the show were the people in the show because you're in Germany. And also if you didn't speak the language, you couldn't go and make new German friends. Um, also our hours are odd, so we couldn't meet any, you know, German people. Um, so literally the only people we could speak to were the people in the cast. And that is just too small. That's not enough. Um, you know, if you get tired of all the jokes and you just want someone else to speak to it's really not easy also I just started a new relationship um and my boyfriend was back in London and you know it was kind of the worst time to have a relationship he was in second year of college and I was starting this crazy job in another country and we barely knew each other and we had to you know then go through all those struggles of trusting and making time for each other different slightly different time zone different working hours um, so that was really, really hard. And yeah, it got to a point when I realized that, you know, I've landed this great job and it has been amazing, but actually it's not what makes you happy because I actually really wasn't happy. When I was out there, I wasn't, I didn't feel happy at all. I felt really, yeah, frustrated and trapped. And I wanted to be back in London all the time. I spent all my money flying back to London. Um, 
yeah, I also because it was a small town, there wasn't anything to do. I couldn't, I couldn't go to acting class, couldn't get singing lessons, I couldn't meet up with other friends, I couldn't. Um, I mean, you could barely go shopping. The only thing to do is have coffee. So, <laughs> yeah, you need. There's more to life than than the show, basically, and that was the huge realization that the job is not what makes you happy, and what you think is the dream isn't necessarily the dream because it's also hard work um, and it takes you, you're giving up a lot to be in a show, you're giving up your evenings, you're giving up your family, you're giving up your, you know, your time with your friends, regular eating patterns, things that can actually change how you feel. Um, yeah, it's, it is a tough life as well as it seems glamorous and we work so hard to get there but um, I think it is, it was important for me because then when I finished and I was out of work for a whole summer, it was the best summer of my life because I really appreciated the sunset and yeah. the variety and having a choice of what I want to do with the day and seeing people again, watching shows and that, I was so happy um, in that summer. And I thought, I'll really appreciate when I next get a job, but I'll really appreciate when I'm also out of work again. So, yeah, yeah I'm glad that I've experienced that. You know, that's something that um, me and Cathy say as well. You know, um, we've been out of work when we put together this podcast and we've done lots of creative, positive things. And there's, you know, there's so much more, like you say, to, to being in a show. There's so much more to the quality of life that you can live. So absolutely amazing to everything that you just said. So, spoken about living in Germany, um, we all live in London, and living in London is expensive. <laughs> we all know this, it has a lot of struggles. Um, at times of unemployment, how did you find your happiness was living in such a brilliant but really quite tough city? Um, well, like I said, that time of employment I actually quite enjoyed, and I had many different jobs um, throughout that summer. I was working at a roller disco um, like three evenings a week, which was just so much fun. I just learned how to roller skate so I could use that skill. I was doing lots of roller skating gigs, like people pay a lot of money in London to have roller skaters at their fancy parties. Um, I was also selling samosas at a stall um, in a market. There are markets at King's Cross, Borough Market, um, and they've all got amazing, delicious food. And I actually loved that job because I was out in the fresh air. I was talking to real people every day. You know, you didn't have to like hard sell the samosas. People just came up and asked for them. It, was, it wasn't stressful. It was really social. Um, and it sort of felt like medieval times. Like there was a kind of a community. But I really loved that. And I think that um, we miss that in the world now with like online delivery and everything online delivery you don't even have to leave your house to live a life at the, at the moment you can do your work from home you can get your shopping from home and I think that's really it's sad you don't get to meet other people and you don't get to meet new characters and um, so I really I love that and it was sometimes stressful thinking have I made enough for the rent but I think if you worry about it it's actually harder just saying yes to everything and doing everything is the best way for me um and, I, you know, there were definitely times when I thought, oh, I'm never going to get another theatre job. This is gonna, I'm going to be struggling to make ends meet forevermore. But, yeah, I think just do. Just do the jobs. Take the opportunities and the money will come if you stress about money. 
that's often when you don't have any and, that, and it doesn't come um, weirdly. Yeah. I don't know how that works, but yeah. The secret. Um, the secret, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think a variety of jobs, well, it just depends on the kind of person you are because some people love stability, putting on a suit and knowing what they're going to make every day and where they're going to be. But if you're someone like me, I think, yeah, have three jobs, see lots of different people, do random gigs, um, and that keeps it fun and interesting. And it also doesn't feel too permanent because um, if you have one job that you do the same thing every day then you start to feel like that's your your life whereas if you do um <laughs> if you do a variety of jobs yeah um you know sitting front desk at a gym or something when you do that for a few months you start to think oh my goodness I'm never going to get out of this but when you have lots of little temporary jobs that change day to day then it doesn't feel as permanent it doesn't feel boring um yeah so that would be my advice. As we said back at the start of the podcast about um, connecting with, with someone who, who looked like you, we, we didn't mention that you did connect with Princess Jasmine. Um, and you are someone, Blythe, who has literally worked for it all. It hasn't been an easy ride, as you've said during this podcast. You've literally worked for it. Um, how does it feel to reflect back on your life from that little girl who, you know, idolised and connected with Princess Jasmine to now playing her and inspiring other little girls, um, you know, to breaking the confidence bar so much that you're now a girl band, as we said, with the potential to represent the UK. Um, what, what, is your, what is your advice to a younger version of yourself, looking back at all the, all the amazing things that you've achieved? If I was to talk to my, my younger self, I would say it's not going to be easy. You know, things are going to feel impossible, but keep going and believing in yourself because it will happen. I don't think I would want anything to change because the the struggles and the low points are what have made me resilient and brave. So before we finish, talk to us about your class at Pineapple Dance for Actress Singers, which by the way is a great class, like you all should go. <laughs> so the class, yes. Um, we wanted to put on a class for you know professional actors and singers who want to perform in musicals um, and therefore they have to go to dance calls before they get seen to sing quite often um, and the dance calls can be the thing that you know they get cut for, from or that puts them off um, or makes them scared so we wanted a class where people who were a bit intimidated to come and just relax and improve and enjoy it and they can just work at their own pace but still be challenged um, so I mean you'll have to come along with the class to see what I mean um, but it's been hugely successful and people afterwards have come up and said, you know, I never believed that I could dance until now and you've given me confidence and I feel like I'm really improving and, um, you know, that's an amazing thing and I think we are the perfect teachers for that because, you know, we're not prima ballerinas. Um, we we understand the struggle of, you know, having to balance acting and singing and dancing and trying to be the, a triple threat and... Um, so I think we get that and we, we know what audition formats are like. We've both done a lot of auditions. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's been really um, well received because it was needed and it was missing. And yeah, I encourage anyone who feels intimidated by dance classes to come along because um, we're not there to judge you at all. We're there to help you and everyone else who goes to the class. They are also lovely people who are in the same boat and... 
yeah, I've even got my um, one of my oldest and bestest friends from Edinburgh who's at uni training to be a lawyer. Um, she comes along. So people who haven't danced in years. We did do dancing together when we were younger, but um, yeah, people who aren't in the industry can also enjoy it. Amazing. Yeah. I think it's so important that you've put on this class. Um, like I said earlier on, you know, I graduated and they kind of changed, my, my college kind of changed the way I viewed myself. So although I, I love dance and I would consider myself a dancer, I left with zero confidence in dance and it took me a year to go to Pineapple. It took me a year, I did not dance for a year. Um, and I think that that was because of the fear. It was it caused me so anxiety to go, gosh, like these are all professional performers, and it it was just such a far away away thing for me to get up and go, okay, I'm gonna go to this class and expose myself. And you know that was horrible, and that probably is why I kind of struggled because I wasn't doing something that I'd done for six years of my life I've danced since I was four years old you know what I mean professionally at the dance school and then at art at art set I did not go to art set <laughs> so again I think I think it's a huge thing and that's why you know that's why you can kind of get into this state of mind for me it was definitely because I I stopped doing something that I loved and helped release those endorphins in my brain to help my mental health. So I think it's such an amazing thing that you're doing, you know, for, for graduates, who especially who come out with maybe no confidence in dance, for professionals as well, it's absolutely brilliant. So, Blythe, last question. Yes. Could you walk into a room today and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? Um, yes, I could. Um, yeah, I've had a bit of a rough year and, you know, I started a dream job, but then things in my personal life happened and it was hard and actually everyone at Aladdin was so supportive and they were there and um, the company as well you know they said even if you're fine today and in three months time you're not okay just say I'm having a bad mental day and you can take the day off and that's it was amazing and actually I didn't expect it and I'm so lucky to be in this job and with that company and yeah, they're, they're actually a very attentive group of girls there, um, and guys, and they can, we can all sort of tell when someone's having a rough day, and they're just always there to, you know, say, are you okay, or, um, you know, and I, I often say, yeah, I'm just having a low day, so I'm sorry if I'm quiet, and that's it, and they accept that, so I don't know if I'm just lucky in that job, and maybe, no, I think I would, I'd feel okay, yeah. yeah. I think so. And I know not everyone would, but um, yeah, I am an open book. And I think I've, I know now that it's, you're never alone. You're not the only one that's gone through hard times. And everyone is there to help if you let them. Amazing, Blythe. Um, thank you so much for such a fabulous interview. It's been lovely to have another Edinburgh voice oh, on yeah. the podcast. That wasn't shady. That wasn't shady, Scarlett. What I just realised. <laughs> just realised how shady that was. Livid. She's livid. Great. Um, so uh, we're going to play our final game of finish the sentence. Oh, so happiness to me is love. My favourite bevy is pina colada. <laughs> My favourite job has been. That's a hard one. I'm oh, sorry. Five, four, three, two, one. Aladdin. <laughs> My favourite thing about myself is. My ability 
to bring joy to others. You do. My top tip of the week is... Um, watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, yes, I concur. Um, my not-so-guilty pleasure is... Gossip Girl. Yeah. XOXO, Gossip Girl. In the future, I want to... Have babies. Oh, that's so sweet. Blythe, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. We wanted to make our listeners aware of the services that we offer. We are lucky to have the support of our counsellor, Mary Birch. Mary offers a private telephone or Skype service 24-7 and completely free of charge. She's also holding one-on-one sessions at a creator-friendly price of £25. So if you are interested, please get in touch. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please hit the subscribe button. You can also rate and review us on Apple. We want to reach as many creatives as we can, and this isn't possible without ratings from our lovely listeners. Share, tell a friend, and please continue to spread the word, as it really could help someone. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you very, very soon. Bye!